Hi, my name is Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. Today, my guest is Nigel Clark. Nigel is best known for being the frontman and chief songwriter in Dodgy. Nigel and Dodgy wrote some of the most loved and memorable songs of the 1990s, including Good Enough, Staying Out for the Summer, In a Room, If You're Thinking of Me, and many more. We sat down and spoke about Nigel's songwriting process, what it's like to be a songwriter in the music industry these days, his absolute love of creativity and songwriting, his influences, and much, much more. So please enjoy this podcast and subscribe. Thanks for being here. Today on my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters, my special guest is Nigel Clark. How are you, Nigel? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you, man? You okay? Yeah, I'm okay. It's a little bit kind of overcast in uh, in Dorset down here, but it's, um, you know, spring is springing, so it's... uh, Yeah, yeah. It's such a nice feeling. Optimism in the air. Yeah, well, it's raining here in Wales. We've just moved, we moved to Wales last year and um, oh, great. it rains a lot in the winter. But um, yeah, in, in you know, it's as, as you say, spring's starting now and it's just like you're seeing the daffodils and it's like, oh, it's lovely. So yeah, it's getting lovely. Whereabouts in Wales are you? Uh, just north, well, south of McCunnelith and north of Aberystwyth. So nice. it's lovely. Yeah, down by Borth, actually. So but the Cambrian Mountains. Uh, beautiful so I've got a stu- yeah, so I've got a studio here that I'm sort of, um, yeah, planning on doing a lot of writing and finishing. I think it's like the end of the line for my songwriting, you know. So it's kind of apt that you 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 uh, asked me to do this. So yeah, so it's been on my mind a lot recently. What do you mean the end of the line? You're just finishing some new songs. Uh, I think that the end of the line meaning that um, I've I've spent so long sort of like just coming up with ideas. Yeah. And I realised that you need, you do need other people to help you finish everything. It's not right. finished on your own. Do you know what I mean? I Even do. just to finish, it's like so. So I've learned some really, and that's why this place works for me because it's accommodation, and I can get whoever I want to work with to yeah. come down and yeah. help me and help them. You know, and you know, and it's like a sort of reciprocal thing, really. So that's that's how it's working at the moment. But I've just got so many ideas. So. Oh, that's great. That's really. Good. I know exactly what you mean, actually, because when you, when from my point of view, when you're writing a song, you've got that initial excitement, haven't you? When you've it's your baby. And yeah. then, you, then you're turning it into a record or you wonder which way it's going to go. You know, it's it's one thing of an acoustic guitar, isn't it? But when, but there's that part of the birthing process of songwriting. But then when it becomes a record, it almost gets born again as a song, doesn't it? With other people involved. Yeah, and... yeah no, totally. And I think that all, all of that, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, I'll probably hijack your, your interview straight away by going in at the deep end. But it is, you know, moving here was almost like a songwriter's choice, you know, for me. Yeah. It was like to get out of town to sort of, uh, you know, not that I was in a big town, I lived in a market town, but I've definitely moved away from everything. And I'm not, you know, it's not that remote, but it's a different language and it's a different country, you know, and so far it's been really brilliant, but, and it does feel, it's been very productive as well, just being here and not having, you know, you can just switch off from the world. And that's what you need to do when you're a songwriter. I think, I sometimes. think that's very true because um, <clears throat> I've spent the last 20 years in, west dorset and basically in the middle of nowhere with a with a studio and i'm someone who gets distracted quite easily you know by cities or you know buzz or something but in a way the the being in being in nature and seeing changing of the seasons almost like your music in your head is soundtracking this space and it gives you that space to think and just breathe and you know allow it 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know, I know exactly what you mean. And, and I find it being by the sea because we live by the sea now. And I, I've always noticed that the tide becomes the timepiece. And it's so interesting that you sort of, when you're by the sea, you, you sort of almost, yeah, day, there's day and night, but you're also quite tidal. You know, I've got dogs, so I like to take them down to the beach. Yeah. And once you know that tide thing, and you, yeah, it's kind of an interesting concept, but it's all about breathing and sort of, you know, and, and like we say, finishing. Finishing is so important. It's, it's great having, I'm like one of those people as well, I have like a million ideas and then I move on to the next one because it's like crack. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. addictive. Yeah, it's yeah. Obviously, it's so addictive. And it's like, especially when you bought a new guitar pedal or drum machine yeah. or vocal effects, oh, I'll try that. And yeah, and but it's... It's a sort of yes. It's a it's a it's a lifetime's work, really, being a songwriter and oh, being definitely. a musician. You know, especially a recording artist. You know, absolutely. But without without a recording deal, you know, it's like. <laughs> so you know, who am I doing this for? Are you independent so, now? Then you're like you're in an independent I mean, kind of situation. I mean, I mean, well, yeah, I would like to say I'm an independent because it's a nicer way of saying I'm unsigned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm an independent. Yeah, I've got, I've, yeah, I have. And I released something a couple of years ago, which was a, a long time in the sort of making because I just lost faith in the, the, the industry. And let's say I haven't really found it back. But what I have found is the time to be able to create music and now to endeavour to like work with other people up and down the country. Yeah. I want to take my little van and take a little studio, my studio out and just like get okay. people on the recordings. I just feel that, you know, it's um, and get people here because in my old studio, it was like literally a basement, a tiny basement room. But this room's got, you know, I've got a drum kit in here and it's, you know, it's pretty self-contained, you know. So I'm very excited about what the future brings, really. I think you've nailed something there because it's. I've got a similar setup where I've got a space to have people in and record and it's kind of set up to be able to create every day. And what it sounds like what you're talking about is just, you know, record deal or not, the most important thing in your life outside of your family is your artistry and your songwriting. So you've got to have that space and place to be able to just do it because that's what who you are, right? That's what you... you yeah. And, you know, and the, and the other side of it and what I really enjoy is, you know, I mean... I really enjoy playing live, so I play solo gigs. I do a, go out with a band. You know, I do a lot of online gigs, and I do a lot of electronic music, but I haven't really sort of figured out properly how to do that live as like a experimental. So working very far from the constraints of a song, as we know it's structured with a, you know, I sit down with an acoustic guitar on a piano and work some chords out with a melody or... It's very different when you work with electronics because you have to sort of like gently coerce them into another key or something, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I find it has different, you know, like we in songwriting, you talk about the intro, the verse, the middle eight and stuff and re-entry, you call it all these things. In dance music, they have like the filter bit and the hi-hat yeah. drop and, yeah. and you know, the you know, the keyboard bit. And yeah. it's and I like that. And I sort of um but those are essential things you should know. But as music is, it's trying to keep the ear, someone's ear for that long. Yeah. The attention. And in a club, it's quite easy because you've got the beat and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's trying to keep someone's ear for more than a minute. I so agree. Keep and also, them interested. I agree. And also, I think when with dance music, because I'm a big fan of dance music as well. I mean, grew up in the you know mid to late 90s. So there's a lot of that going on and free raves in the wood and all sorts of things. But mm -hmm. one of the great. things I love, yeah, it was great. But one of the things, I think 
as a songwriter, like you said, if you've got a piano or a guitar and you're writing your verse to chorus, traditionally, that's one thing. But writing over a beat or a repetition and try, and then where you have to get a melody, a verse, melody or chorus or a bridge, whatever, and changing melodies over the same musical beat is quite, is a different skill set, isn't it? Because you've got, like you said, you've got to keep the ear, but you're doing it over yeah. a, a repeating pattern. So it's a yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah, I totally agree. And it's when, I mean, it's, it's almost like, I mean, it's, it's it's where you combine all those. You've got all these instruments, and they're all on pads. And you've got the bass, and you've got the melody, and you've got the strings, and you've got you, whatever you've got. And it's how you bring them in. You've got the bass right. drum, you've got the snare drum, you've got the cowbell, you've got the hand clap. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. and how you you bring them all in. And you find that like after five minutes, you've just got everything in, and then you've got you know, and then you like you say, it's the it's almost like a melody mantra with dance music. Yeah. I like. Yeah. I sort of get a chant, a four line sort of yeah a thing going you know and then sort of work from that but yeah it's very difficult and it all and it's very hard to say that's finished because i have nothing to reference it against yeah, you know? sure. there's a great th thing i sort of read actually about nick mccabe from the verve because obviously when he rejoined the verve in urban hymns had done a lot of work and he was talking about bittersweet symphony because his background was a lot in electronic music and hip-hop which mm -hmm. is what you know he he sort of came in and he spoke about this thing called loopitis, I think he called it, where when you just got everything going, what the, the trick is actually to take things out, and that's the, that's the kind of his his uh, take on Bittersweet Symphony was just to strip it back and take things out and bring them back in again, and that was actually the kind yeah. of how to finish that track. And that is dance music. That is how it works with, with dance music. So the you know incorporating that in songwriting, which has always been there, do you either strum a chord or and, and like not yeah. strum a chord but like you know get a rhythm going strum a chord once but the same melody could go over the top yeah you know yeah. and it's it's i think the hard thing for songwriters especially you know ones who are independent artists like myself and who do everything for themselves you know who have a studio is yeah it's, it's just having that focus to finish i i play new songs live now you know yeah. i haven't yeah. that i'll record but I'll have about six different style versions of them, if I'm honest. You know, I've got, you know, I can play you songs that you, it starts off on the, on the piano and it ends up with a drum machine and it's gone through a folk song. And over a few days, you know what I mean? You just come down, look at the lyrics and go, oh, I see it like this, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we, we I, I really enjoy that journey of the song where it is tried out in many different, you know, yeah. different styles. Yeah. And... I mean, I, I maybe I'm the only person that does that. I don't know, but I just find it really difficult to settle on a style sometimes. Because and mm. I like them all. It's yeah, a bit yeah. Brian Wilson, I suppose, in yeah, the yeah, sense yeah, that, yeah. Like, but he was obviously he could fit them all together into three minutes and call it good vibrations. Sure, you sure, know. sure, sure. But it but is like that, you know. What you're talking about playing them live is good though, because it's one of one of my little personal rules is before I take it to my band and we work on it, I will always go and play it live because sort of me thinking it's great is one thing but if I and I'm not necessarily looking for people to clap and say that's great but I'll know if it's got life if it floats and even if people don't respond it'll make me believe in it more or yeah, if they yeah, do yeah. respond I'll be like okay we've got something here but I quite like that little sort of acid test a little bit you know I do as well I really do and it's some, you know and it's it's really exciting when it's it's so immediate that you get yeah. that response so immediate. If you even explain what the song's about, which is always a good one. Yeah. And I had a spate of writing um, songs about Tory leaders. I got a bit tired after Theresa May, if I was honest, you know, but, because there was just so many. But I, it's one up until Theresa May, I think I wrote a song about that would play live and it was... 
you know, the news would break on the Friday and on the Sunday I was doing a gig and it would be the Theresa May version, you know, of a song. And I really enjoyed that immediacy of it. And it was, you know, as basic GCD as you could get, do you know what I mean? Or throwing an A. It was really basic, following a melody, but about something that was really happening. Yeah. And it felt like there was a moment, and that moment was that Sunday in that place. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That's the mythology, isn't it? We hear all these things about the, you know, great gigs where, you know, the pistols gig or whatever people were there. And it, it's important it's in this day and age where we, everything's so immediate and you can photograph it and keep it forever. Sometimes just a moment with that crowd in a room is, is, is actually a big part of why we're in it, really. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, that's, and that is the acid test of a song. But then I would go, like, if I played it now, it would be, well, it'd be more of a, a song about a historical event, which I still like because, you know, we mustn't forget that songwriters are really the original minstrels and troubadours and the original media. Yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah. You know, we used to travel around. So yeah. that's, and that telling the truth is like sort of, it's not wanted anymore. It's not, it's like, oh God, I, I always, I'm so conscious of telling the truth because it sounds so bad. <laughs> the, the truth is so terrible that like, you know, and it's like, and so I start searching in my head for things that are really good to say. And I, and I struggle and it's that then, then you come back to family and, and the simple things about, you know, and then they all become some like utop utopia. Well, the thing <laughs> that I, was gonna... I can believe, I can believe in it a stretch, but I feel that we're in that sort of. Uh, I don't know. It's like you. Ha it's it's a leap of faith now. I mean, we all get happy when we see a bloody rainbow these days, and it's like, you know, that didn't happen before in the nineties. It was we didn't care. You know, it was like we, you know, it's every day know. is a rainbow. But one of the things about your <laughs> writing, though, is and you know. Um, it's evident through like, you know, the dodgy years and, and, and um, make believe love as well for me personally. But where I was really into dodgy when I was a kid. So I was like, you know, Britpop, I don't know, me and my mates would go and get some cans on a Friday or Saturday night and play, you know, the loads of dodgy. And it was, it was our kind of thing. But, the, but what I loved about your lyric writing and, and it really impacted me as a kid. And I remember being in school assembly at like 15 in front of 800 kids and for some reason, I've decided in my mind that like the band were going to play, but I'll go and do a couple of songs acoustically first. And I played like Magic Pie from an Oasis album. And I played um, If You're Thinking Of Me, because I probably fancied some girl in, in in the like row nine or something. But what I loved about your lyrics, and it's still evident to me on, on Make and Believe Love, is that, you know, what you're talking about the truth, but you always, like the Beatles, give this kind of... Um, there's a melancholy sometimes, but you give hope. Like your songs are really hopeful, you know? It's like this stuff's going down, but there's a kind of really hopeful thing. And it really- I've become very aware of that these days. In the last few years, I've become very aware of that to the point where I listened to, I've just been listening to the Panda Bear and Sonic Boom album, uh, which I love. It's a very electronic sort of, but it's song, it's it's amazing. But I use the di di electron digitact and I've got one of these samplers and it's, just so many things, and I'm really interested in seeing it, but their album's brilliant. But yesterday when I was driving back from Blackburn, I did a gig on Saturday night. Uh, I, I'm, we're doing this three-piece suite tour this year, and I, I actually put the album on from the start. And it wasn't, and I listened to it, and I went, wow, this is, and I got up to about one of those rivers, and I was like, wow, wow, and it's not even finished yet. There's another whole, another, like a quarter of music to go. 
And it was a long album, but I, 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 you know what? I don't, in all those years, I don't think I really appreciated it until yesterday when I was driving in the car and I was like, because of its positivity yeah. in such a, in such, when I, when I'm really, I'm really happy that I wrote those things about, yeah. you know, because it's, it is harder to see. Like I say, we can be getting yeah. excited about a rainbow. It's really, it's sometimes it's got so dark around the world yeah. in people's minds and and just just you know fear yeah yeah and when you when and, and you hear these things that when people have made up their mind it's really hard to change their minds and yeah. as an adult you grow up and I've always wanted to believe that people could change and you know and could could see you know that they would get better yeah and and i think that that's that's as a human instinct within me and you know and i look but i look around nowadays and i find that really i i know it's there but it's it's hard to see because yeah, yeah. the media control us with Definitely. what we and that's really worrying me <laughs> and well, so, it's, so it's, then you're writing all these dystopic songs about you know every song i listen to my songs sometimes and just think they're like they're like a half a chapter of a george orwell novel yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah yeah yeah. you know because that's why i read it because it's it's almost it's it's the 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 sort of precipice of friction and not uh, fiction and non-fiction you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, the, and every day we slide into, we just move over the top of it. But it yeah. is like the sort of axis, isn't it? I, I, I'm, I'm in exactly the same place. And for me, there's a point where you, I, I almost like dissociate now from the news and the fear and, and how bad it is because it's that bad that you kind of think, oh, oh well, there's a rabbit over there. I'll just try and sort of, I'll, and you know, write a song. You find yourself writing something, being truthful or trying to, you know, do that kind of like angry song thing or like annoyed song thing but you know i never really got off on that i could never be i guess as a beatles fan or something or a fan of your music it was like you know there's enough dark in the world to i need to give i need to feel positive or offer yeah. some positivity or find it within me and, and you know that's like i said i've really appreciated that about your writing it's uh, for me it's something which it's quite hard to be positive isn't it and optimistic but actually it's hard to write a happy song but it really is it really it is, is. But you know you have to twist it, but you have to, I mean, yeah, and I mean, that's what I think. I mean, but, and this is why I think it's really important to work with other people because, you know, it's it's not, it's, I, I you know, with, with writing, it's like, you know what it's like when you work with people and someone will say, oh, I don't like that bit. And then they, but then they haven't got another bit. You've got to come up with a solution to everything. Yeah. And I think when you work with a group, sometimes you get a, you, a combined uh, want for a, a resolve and a good yeah. a good ending. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that that's what comes out of, of, of bands and stuff like that. It's just a shame you don't get many bands recording these days, or we don't get the opportunity to hear them because there's too many things to choose between. Yeah, it's a said... very competitive world. There's so you know, and it's and it's rightly so that it's competitive, but it's like it's not. It's kind of like not. It's it's also you know, it's very difficult to get people to listen to your music. You know, yeah, yeah, it is. It, you spend that's... such a lot of time. You might be a great musician, but a shit marketeer. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like most musicians. I mean, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Well, it, that's, the, I mean, that's the the joy of, like you said, the joy of making music, the immediacy of it, the obsession, the getting lost in it, the mystery of it is, I mean, it's just like you say, it is so addictive and is why we're still doing it. But then the other side of it, pushing your songs like into, you know, I guess the 90s was different, but like pushing your songs 
out is is nowadays because like you said because it's saturated and you got to know the right people you got to pay for promotion yourself and the budgets on that that is that is the kind of and like, that is such a terribly dark unleashed yeah. unfair world yeah you know it's like i think most people who have ever had who've been on this sort of uh product side of the music industry have ptsd yeah do you know what i mean for from sure. the experience of yeah. becoming a product and yeah you know and in a way it's like yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad I'm out of that, but you you, you know, it was their industry. It was the music industry owns the music industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, we were just a byproduct. And I mean, you know, pe yeah, people know our songs, but it's it's very difficult nowadays to sort of, you know, to to yeah, to to do anything at the moment, really. Especially, I mean, especially for young bands who haven't, you know, who are you know starting out. You know, yeah. it'd be really difficult. This isn't punk rock. You know, this is like. I mean, maybe that will come out of it, the DIY thing, but, you know, we didn't worry about the price of electricity. <laughs> so, I mean, really. It's true, it's true. It's absolutely, I mean, whilst it's easier to get a laptop and record, it's, it's you're right that, yeah, I think, you know, the conditions will, artists and musicians, especially after lockdown, and my daughter's 18, for example, and I'm, I'm fascinated to find out what that generation of 16 to 18 year olds, their next five to 10 years of creativity is going to be awesome or interesting because, they're the first generation really since, I don't know, the maybe the war probably where something has been so big and they were part of it. So to find out what they've got to say or come up with is going to be really interesting. You know, if there's going to be a new movement, I think it's probably going to come out of what the, that generation have got to say or what they invent or come up with. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it was, we lived in this, when, when sort of like the, the mods and rockers and punks and all that sort of scar rude boys, which was a brilliant time. I feel so fortunate that within the space of four years, I could have been all of those things yeah, and had yeah. a circle of friends, you know, yeah. the innocence of that tribalism, you know. It's uh, nowadays we're all individuals and we all, you know, it's like, and, and, and it, that's good, but I don't think we can handle that. And so, you know, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, do. I don't think we're set up to handle that. And we, you know, society needs guides and guidelines. Musicians break away from that form. We've always been like it. Do you right. know what I mean? It's just everyone's like us now. <laughs> yeah. In a way, you know, they had the lockdown. It was like lockdown to me was I was planning yeah. to not work for three months and then we had lockdown. <laughs> So I was already, it was like, oh, okay, it's fine. I was doing this anyway. Yeah, okay. Like, no, what, nice to hear so, your, your intuition to take time off was pretty strong then. Um, well, I just, I just know nowadays that it's, you know, there's probably no point in doing gigs between sort of November and February. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So you just have to like work, work eight months of the year doing your writing and then doing gigs that you can yeah. with the band and stuff like that. But that is, it's very, it's quite hand to mouth these days. I mean, yeah. obviously we still receive royalties for the songs, but it's, yeah. you know, it's, you still have to work for a living. Yeah, sure. Now tell me about the, the I, I've been listening for the last few days to, um, make believe love, which I love, man. It's like such oh, a great you. album and class of smile. What a song that is. It's like, you know, it's, it's that knocked me out that song. Oh, but, wicked. The kind of sound of it is, um, you know, that is electronic elements you spoke about earlier. It's 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 quite a thrilling album, isn't it? It's quite a kind of a, you know, it's it's quite. It feels a bit like you're at a rave. It's got a lot of motion to it. It's got a lot of, um, you know, coolness and kind of uh, colours in it. And uh, you know, it's a, it's really nice to hear like you work with with those elements in in that way on that album. It's it's, it's a fascinating listen. Yeah, it's 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 a very it was it was recorded just after I left Dodgy really. So right. 
originally, so it was, I was, I shelved it in 2001. Oh, like right. Okay. Yeah. So no, it wasn't, it's not, it's not present. It's like actually 20 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So which, which is quite funny actually, because it's sort of, you know, the, and, and I, I arranged the album. So I, I got the, I got it off the shelf during lockdown, actually. As soon as we went into lockdown, I thought, I thought, right, I'm in lockdown now. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to start writing a new album. I'm going to finish Make Believe Love. So I got all the masters and sort of arranged the sort of album, listened to that a few times, got the artwork together, and then just went, I'm going to put it out. And so started Fantastic. learning some of the songs to do live. And Great. it was a really brilliant little journey and to, to go through those songs that I'd written, you know, post uh uh, uh, sort of dodgy really that would have been made on the basis of a, the next dodgy album I suppose you know Fantastic. Um, but obviously with a different band and the band were brilliant I met them in Birmingham when I moved out of London in 99 and um, at the Custard Factory in Digbeth and we had a studio there and we had it for a year while I rented it and it was it was good. It was really good, but then I ran out of money, <laughs> and then it all went re from really being really good to reality really hitting. And you know, going, you're not in a big band anymore. You're not getting a wage. Um, you've got two children. You can't afford to rent somewhere and do it. And I just went. And then I went to some a record company and said, "Would you put this out?" And they went, "Yeah, definitely." And uh, and it was it was an indie, a big indie, and. Um, and but it was like the reality of putting a band on tour on your own sure. and you know it's, you know it was just there was no money there there was no investment so and that is the real crippler in this industry so if you've yeah. got no which is the same it's not woe is me it's the same for everybody you yeah, know, yeah, apart yeah. From, it's reality, you yeah. know the, and so you know you become self-sufficient yeah. you become self-sufficient and it's like you know um you know, you're protective of your music. You can become yeah. protective, whereas before I just want everyone to hear it. And I still want everyone to hear it, but they've got to come and see me live almost, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. At the moment. So when when you, um, when did you, when did you, was there a moment when you, in your youth, where you decided, right, I'm going to be a songwriter? Was it something you fell into or did you make a sort of definite decision, like this is my bag and I'm going for it? Yeah, it was probably, I there was there was a moment in time where I was a footballer, but I always used to get picked as the sweeper. Okay. Like the number five, the yeah. sort of like, you know, the, the tall number five. They don't really have that position anymore. No, no it doesn't exist anymore. No, no, it doesn't. You know, really. I, used to, I used to have a shot occasionally from about 40 yards and score in the corner. But like, apart from that... <laughs> And the problem is, and the good thing, you're supposed to be really good in the air if you're a sweeper. And I just didn't like heading the ball because it hurt. So, you know, I'd had too many winters. And, and I knew, you know, yeah. You, and so at the same time, I was, I, I can't remember, I was getting into music. And anyway, I love football. I love football. And my, my boss, my football captain, stopped me from playing in the final, which we played in all of them. And I just got a real sort of negativity towards the unfairness of being at school or that, you know, just felt it was really childish and really unfair of them. So I sort of pretty much switched and just got right into music straight yeah. away. Yeah, so yeah. sort of, and once I got into, my brother and sister who were older than me, were big into, I spent a lot of different music really, like a lot of rock because we lived in the Midlands. So it was Led yeah. Zeppelin. Yeah. Was one, uh, yeah. We we had like we. I'm born. I'm born in Headless Cross, where John Bonham was born in Reddish. Okay. So yeah. it was like a rock sort yeah. of place yeah. to live, and so yeah. So Led Zeppelin a lot and Black Sabbath, and then when punk came out, sort of, you know, I got into I suppose 
the Sex Pistols and Pill and the Clash and the Jam, like everyone else. And that was it. I just felt that like I had, it was the music for me and I had a voice. And Great. I remember writing my first song when I was thinking about it the other day, I, I Hate School and I was about 13. And, was that the name you know, of the song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I Hate School. And it was like, uh, you know, I'd, I remember writing the, the chords on dots on, and I thought I'd read them the next day and go on there, I had to play the chords and stuff like that. But it was a borrowed guitar anyway, so I had to pay for my own. And yeah, it was. It, yeah, I can remember. I, I remember just the the joy because I'm quite. I've always been one of those people that's not. I like being on my own. Yeah, I sort of relish in the fact that I can do. I've got music. I don't feel like I'm on my own when I do I music. Agree. I've I got agree. some dogs, and I've got. And yeah. my wife works at home sometimes and works away, but. I cherish those moments where I'm alone. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's 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 not all the time. It's but yeah. um, I get done. I get things done when I'm on my own. You know, yeah, I yeah. turn it up and just get recording and not think and sort yeah. of. Yeah, so I've been really productive. I've been really productive. That's my sort of thing, anyway. Awesome, Going back man. to make believe love. I probably went off track there a bit. No, no, at all. It's good. Any any way you want to go, but it's good for me. So within the dodgy uh, the dynamic and group. Were they always like you? You'd take a song written to them, and then you'd work it out. Was it was it collaborative writing, or was it was it generally like you wrote the song and then you flesh it out? Um, it's definitely collaborative writing. It was definitely I'd have you know normally the the idea, the initial idea, or or sometimes the actual song, the whole song. It was it was very dependent on Three Piece Suite, which was quite was like the you know that was our third album in three years I suppose so I mean we were like oh, with the Beatles then yeah. you know like, oh, yeah come on yeah, we can yeah. do this yeah uh, but obviously not you know but I think 93 94 and 96 so yeah in four four years or something like that but and by the third album and after a sort of pretty extensive tour of Homegrown you're sort of um I mean I had a lot of I've always had a lot of songs because I've always done this Regardless of being signed or anything, this I chose to do this, and it's like, like I say, now I'm in a position where I can go out and do gigs and fund it. But um, back then, you know, oh, so I've just lost my track of my track of what I was thinking about. That's cool. Um, I can't remember. Can you remind me? We, we, yeah, I just to collaborate the collaboration process element of it, really. Oh, with the band, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so obviously, with three piece suite. Sorry, I was, I just went off on the tour That's thing. Cool, man. With three piece suite, we were living by the studio, uh, and I in in uh, Wessex in London, and we'd come in. We had we had in a room. I think we'd been doing that, or we hadn't been playing it live, but I'd been writing it, and that was the first one. And then I'd been sort of writing. Yeah, all the ideas, but they were unfinished because you just didn't have time because you were away and yeah. we just had a baby, Marley, and yeah, it was like, um, you know, it was a busy household. But yeah, I was going home after the studio and listening to my tape in the in the dining room while the Jackie's asleep with the baby and like going, what well, we can do this one tomorrow and playing on my electric really quietly, and then going the next day and go, we've got this one, and it would be like, you know, it was a lot of that sort of thing, and then going into the studio and going, I've got this idea, and then just jamming it through. If You're Thinking Of Me was just a total live take. I remember doing, recording If You're Thinking Of Me. I just recorded the vocal and the guitar in one go. Great. With a quick track. And then, and I remember doing it, doing it, and I I got to a point in it, because I had no, I probably, probably the first time I'd ever played it through. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. As an arrangement, you know what I mean? And then obviously you go, you know, you do bits and bits, 
it was probably the first time. And it's a bit like uh, Classe Smile on Make Believe Love. I played that on piano once live. Wow. Vocal and vocal and uh, piano, and that was it. Jesus. And then we just put everything on top. That's so yeah, I used to try and get to that point. And I don't even play piano very well, but I can it's the combination of singing and playing piano. It's like it's a combination of singing and playing an instrument. It's like sometimes we get lost and we sort of think the thing that's accompanying the voice is more important. Yeah. The voice is the most important thing. The song yeah. is the important thing. So yeah, it's kind of But they do go together though, because if you sit if you're like recording a vocal without the instrument, it is a different feeling, isn't it? It's not, there's a connection to the instrument which helps you to sing and you know yeah and also and when you've got a new, when you've got a new song you know there is that sort of feeling of like i don't know the first maybe month with it or something is like very pure and then you move on to another song so if you can capture the vocal in that first kind of month or so or even the first few days there is yeah. something there which is different from when you it's do it not overthought it's not overcooked yeah. is it yeah, so exactly. yeah but going sorry going back to uh um, the, the collaboration of like three piece suite, so things like um, UK RIP, I would bring in. I'd had on. We'd done it before actually, but it came from me messing with samplers and drum machines and just different things that I was into. It's like sort of, you know, it's not a million miles away from one of Nina Simone's like down 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 down. Yeah, yeah. But we, you know, it's not a million miles, and we say that, and then it's not too a million miles away. from from uh, Papua New Guinea by Future Sound of London. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it had all these elements in it uh, that we didn't know was us, but it was, you know, it was, but then the message of the song is like, you know, the dying of a country and how we've let it become this because we failed to educate people on wanting more and wanting the best, you know, and now we, we struggle to put great in front of Britain. You know, <laughs> it's, and it's hardly a United Kingdom. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. the sort of, you know, it's that sort of, and I think you can see it's it's almost that thing you sometimes you can see too much and just like oh shit you know do you know what I mean sometimes yeah, you can't unsee you can't unsee it yeah yeah but well you do well with like like Lennon did it and and it's like there's a sort of political aspect and a kind of telling of the truth but it's like you know you want to empower not... people don't you you I, you do you just you feel do. that I feel that I've always wanted to empower people because you know the, 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 you know I know that. If I'd have listened to anybody else, I would never have done what I'd done, what I did, what I went on to do, or what I'm still doing now. Yeah. And and I'm re and it was it was just going. You know, you're gonna in respect. You're gonna fail at everything. You know, in either way you do it. You know, failure is all around you. So why don't fail in something you love? Yeah, that's, you know what I mean? that's yeah, what I, I agree. thought. That's that's exactly what I mean. What I said to, to to you know my kid growing up, or I feel exactly the same way. But for me, there was that line when I was about I don't know eight or nine. This dad bought me Dark Side of the Moon cassette, and there was that line in time, which is then one day you'll find ten years has got behind you. No one told you how when to run. And I remember being like eight or nine, going, "You need to listen to that. <laughs> you need to like you need to like try football. And if football doesn't work, do That's music hot. because you know it's like and you know I meet a lot of people that you know will say that." as hard as it is sometimes to be an independent or to do music sometimes you hit some of the i'm sure you'll be aware sometimes people will say oh, i wish i could do what i love and you kind of feel well, like i always want to go you can you know like just pick it and yeah. do it man like yeah just, you can you just got you just got to be brave thick-skinned bit stupid but <laughs> but you know um you know in some ways you've got to be a little bit but at the end of the day i mean it is 
I ma I managed two or three years, you know, doing well in it, but it is their business. And, you know, they can make it very difficult for you. And, you know, it can, they, they didn't, but the business always gets in the way. So, I mean, yeah, it was yeah. unfortunate that, you know, that that's became the focus because they come in with the big bucks. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and big, you know what big bucks do? They just freak everybody out and everyone goes, they, you know. No, it's, it's, so true. It's, it's almost like big bucks is anti, anti what you should be doing. Absolutely. And that's why I liked that Beatles program because they were all millionaires, yet yeah. they were going into the studio because the thing is they still had to write and finish songs. That's and I loved it. And he didn't have there was no one you didn't you couldn't tell that those guys were rich or not. Now that's very rare. You the know, thing, it is very rare. But the thing about that Beatles thing, which I love the most, is like like you're saying, like every day there's idea I need to create. I think like White Album at that time, the Get Back documentary we're talking about, kids, if you're listening, um, that mm. White Album was out, I think it was number one in November or something. So they had a few days off for Christmas. Then back in January, I don't know, the third or something ridiculous, it's like cold yeah, and yeah. twicken. And they're all there, like like turning up to knock out some new songs. And it's that commitment too, which I know it drove like John was- and George nuts, but the commitment to it. It was brilliant because it was what every band recognises, that you yeah. have to do that. And you do only get a finite time of it, really. And looking back, you do. It's true, you know, you get that bit when, you know, you have no responsibilities and then you possibly get end up getting paid for it for a bit. But then, you know, you get this finite time of being creative and because, you know, it's very difficult to get everyone together these days because it's yeah. just... You know, it just is, you know, unless you've got like loads of money. And that's yeah, yeah. why you have this finite time. Bands have about two years and then, the you know, someone will say, the drummer's girlfriend will say, I don't want you to go because you never get any money, you know. Yeah, and this yeah. great band, this great cultural band who we're talking about, don't get to get out there and see it, you know. It's just because there's no investment anymore, probably, in this country in that way or or something. I don't know what the answer is. And I hate not knowing what the answer is to the, the problems of the music industry. Well, you know, this is like yeah. IBS of the system, you know, it's, blockage. It's, it's a kind of combination of things, isn't it, really? I mean, I spoke, I spoke to John Robert a few weeks ago and he was hopeful, really, just saying that, you know, in the end, it always kind of works out. And in, in the end, art wins. And in the end, the songwriters will write the songs. Quite a kind of fatalistic, positive approach to it. I think it's been aware of it, it's like it, you can talk about the it, which is, you know, the elephant in the room is the fact that venues are closing. It's one of the, you know, the Academy charge 25% on top of your merch and just all these things that keep coming. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, and, you know, and as an artist, I I want to protect the audience. Yeah. And that's getting more difficult, you know. Yeah. It's like uh, protect them from, like, you know, with this cure tickets thing and, you know, putting, you know, it's, it's just... <sighs> Yeah, it, it doesn't fill me with much hope as an industry when it's it's just the way the world is at the moment. And it's just like, you know, we've got to see through it. That's, you know, that's why I'm really intri- in, interested in my studio and being able to do performances from here, Absolutely. doing live, you know, in your, my studio. It's your, it's your, your castle isn't it is your this is that's your industry that's you owning your industry yes. and that's and that's the most important thing for you for yeah. you know for your happiness mental health and for your creativity and that's 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 the most important thing yeah when you, me. So yeah. When, <laughs> it really is i want to be able to work you know yeah do it work yeah. i say work it's just it's play isn't it well it's yeah it's play, it's play work we got lucky to be able to kind of make any kind of money at a play i suppose which is i oh, know yeah yeah exactly when you're writing a song nigel when you're writing a song and you 
Do you, like, there's this whole idea of like the muse with songwriting, like it's a mysterious force that turns up or doesn't turn up. And do you believe in the idea of the muse or do you think it's just plugging away at something and the idea will come or it's craft you've learned? Do you think there's some kind of like element outside of, you know, some, you know, is it some force which comes in or do you think that's bollocks? Yeah, I think it's bollocks, really. I think, yeah. I think it's, I mean, a lot. Yeah, I think it's bollocks. I think really, yeah. I, I think that um, they come as triggers. Sometimes you can see something, and it's like, and and if the emotion, if they cross the emo, your your emotions and what you see or what you hear cross, you feel compelled to write something. You feel compelled to, uh, you know. And I write every day. Every day, oh, I'll write something. I used to just like write in the morning, just like having a coffee in my kitchen and just write reams and reams on my notepad. And go, oh, some of that was quite good. And then occasionally you go back. I try and go back if I'm ever, you know, because then I go off on music and yeah. then I come back to the lyrics. But, or sometimes I just write a song from what I've written on a notepad and just do it as a conversational piece with the bass guitar, which is quite a sort of non dominant in- instrument yeah, with your yeah, vocal, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. So you, you have different processes. Sometimes it'll just be writing words, sometimes it'll be electronic music, sometimes it'll be you and a guitar. You have various processes going at the same yeah, time day yeah. to day and i'll loop a chorus sometimes i'll start a song with a chorus and have the harmonies and all that worked out that yeah. was found you actually so found you i had that all on a sampler we should that was the we should know better we should know and i had it all as a three-part harmony like the monkeys actually awesome. and that just went round and then he went and I was like what's it got to go to D you know so I did to, that was it so I went into the studio the next day and I played him the chorus and went and then I want to go into D and we just went doom, 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 doom. And he just that's how you get it it's just like yeah. you open the door don't you you know absolutely man and that's, that's like music it's like it's you know you you can all hear it then you know everyone it's music's so much fun because when you all hear it you know what it's going to go like and what it's going to be like, you know. Yeah. And I love that. I just listen, you know. Yeah, um, I'm no, I'm not a trained musician. I'm not a trained engineer or producer at all. It's just like the only thing I've ever done is listen, and that's what you're saying. Is like you just listen to other people's records and listen to the song, you know, and it'll, it it will be there and tell you where it wants to go if you kind of yeah, you know. I do find that there's a there's, there's definitely there's got to be some sort of process there because, or it's just now I don't know why, but. Like I was saying, when I listened to Free Piece Suite yesterday, I, I, because, you know, so the creative, when I'm creating something, you're listening and you're guiding it to its completion. Yeah. But when you actually, then you go out and play it, you just do that. And it's really weird when you, and I heard it and, I, and I've always like sort of gone, oh, I don't like that album because it kind of was the last album and it had, it was tinged with a little bit of like, you know, problems that were on the horizon that needed sure. to be dealt with, but we didn't t- talk about anything while we recorded it. And so there was a little bit of, I don't know, about it. So, but until yesterday, you can keep going back and just go and just say, stating that like, you know, it was a joyous experience because possibly we live in, you know, it's maybe been a long winter this year or, you know, it's just not, it's a bit bleaker in society. Do you know what I mean? And it just felt like a joyous yeah. Wow, this is really positive, and I really enjoyed that. I was like, I was able to be, you know, objective about it and stay yeah. away from, like, far know. enough away from it to hear it as we, yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. go, don't I sing high and things <laughs> like that. I'm sure yeah. Hugh Jones also he did a bit of that stuff on it. You know, it must. Be, I don't think that inner room's in the right bloody place. That's I think funny. it's for you know, he sped that up a touch. Or, I don't know. 
when you've i mean you know those big smash hits which they were huge man like you know and still today they're just on all the time you know it's like going to a shop or a radio or whatever it's they're, they're on the radio you know people know those songs obviously that's must be i mean a joyous thing for you to 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 know that people connect to your songs in that way but as a songwriter you know i've not had a big hit so but i know through like you know my own level the certain songs that are the bigger ones which sometimes feel like a bit of a albatross around you but yeah, did, yeah when you're a writer after those big hits is it did you find you had to kind of like was it a pressure to live up to that or was it just like on to the next one and oh, here we go um oh god um I think I think you, what what I found was I I like to think of it as like there was a time for about two weeks in ninety five and about three weeks or four weeks in ninety six where we were part of the soundtrack for the country yeah absolutely and and further afield and that sort of that kind of makes me feel like you know it's like yeah you kind of. They can't take that from you. <laughs> Not yeah, now, anyway. <laughs> they can't take that from you. That's that's <laughs> like you know, that's a big thing, man. Like yeah, one, and I guess I think a lot of writers, you know, or bands aim for that. But that's it's you know, I don't think it, you can aim for that. I think it just happens. Like you know, yeah. it's just it's like the sort of after effect or what happens when you know it all happens. Yeah, it spreads out, and like, you can't you can't think about that, but when in retrospect looking back at it that's what it was and i'm never going to be able to replicate that again you know so uh, but 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 that was an accident anyway so why would i my success yeah. is valued in how i've done on the next song or the, the song that i'm writing yeah 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 you know does it say what i want to say is it yeah. you know and i probably one of the unfortunate things about the industry now is i probably could do with a few more deadlines like we need this done by tomorrow yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and I, but in the back of my mind, I'm going, yeah, but they don't really do it because it's the they is you, Nigel. You're just making the <laughs> job, <laughs> you know. It's, so I've got these fake. And then when someone says, you know, what what Matthew says, you need a deadline. I'm going to give you a deadline. I'm going, yeah, but what's that based on? You don't know. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I've got an answer for everything. So it's like I'm a very tricky character in that way. I, I am my own person. I'm my own. You know, unfortunately for other people, this is the way I work, you know. Well, I think it's quite good that, I mean, like from hearing you speak about your different processes and, and stuff, I think sometimes use the deadline, sometimes don't. You know, it's like, some I can get like that. I'll just imagine a deadline or think there's a deadline or think, and then go crazy on it. And then sometimes be like, there is no deadline, man. It's all just whatever you're doing from day to yeah. day. But sometimes putting the pressure on for whatever reason, and maybe it's just because I know I need it. I'll put a deadline in place and it's, you know, it's quite a good thing sometimes to kind of get on and just, you know, crack yeah, I've, I've got this idea, right? So I've got this sort of mixing desk thing. It's a, it's a Tascam mixing desk and I've got a computer and all those sort of things. And I sort of the computer I found, or I find, I kind of like that as the end of the road, just when I'm finally going to get ready to record it. But all my ideas are done on this machine that you record to a, a set SD card. Right. And so you record into that and you can record like, 16 18 tracks at once if you're using the electronic stuff but what i'm doing is i'm sort of like starting a song at zero and just starting recording then i do st start writing a song and recording it just piano and then it'll go you know the next day i'll go in and do, do an acoustic and, and on another version or just start again and just be the same but you get these five different 
conversions. But then when you listen to them back, you pick the bass up and you start putting bass down on them. Mm-hmm. And you, and it's sort of like, it, I know it sounds like bloody madness, doesn't it? But it's actually really good because you're sort of like, I mean, they're not final recordings, but, you know, you're learning about the music. You're sort of like learning different styles of it, you know. And it's, I think that's you know, a really harmony. good it's a really good thing, and actually, like in the you know, recording these podcasts, people have got different process. I've not heard anyone say that. Well, they'll they'll start that way or try I've four, got, four or I, five different ideas. I just can't sort of. I mean, I yes, okay. So I could do my song in all the time in a sort of country way, Towns Van Zandt sort of style. Yeah. I could then go. I can do it a bit more birdsy, so I could with the feel. I could probably do a really folksy version, do you know what I mean? Like a piano version, you know, sort of like stripped back and then, and one with, it's so, and a, one in three, four, why not? Or what, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. But because I'm doing it on my own, I'm like, you know, it's normally what's going to sound best on a, on a guitar. So at the moment I do finger picking, I'm just sort of like, that's my rolling thing now. The rolling rhythm is finger picking and, and I like that. I like that. I like it a lot. I've become a really sort of like, it's become part of my playing. You know, someone said to me the other day, I'm going to ask you, where does your plectrum go when you finger pick? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I had to get my plectrum. And it goes in my hand, it forms a little, you know, in the middle of your hand, yeah. right hand, it like tucks in there somehow. And I don't think about it. I actually shake people's hands and it's in my hand. <laughs> That's so good. But <laughs> Yeah, I love that what you've just said there because I just thought it's, it's kind of like trying on different clothes before you go out for the night. You're just seeing what where's it going to sit. This song, you know, it's like, it's an interesting approach to it. Down to everything. So I so I, I have drum machines and stuff like that, but I don't use the quantize or anything like that. But I use the the, the clicker. So I start singing and then I just I just tap out the tempo on a drum yeah. machine, but not yeah. playing anything. And so I've got so I've got a so, and that's your feel. That 91.3 yeah. that I was probably just tapping out then yeah. is your feel. It'll probably a bit faster than that, but it's, and then that's, and it's like that's so organic, even though, and then you yeah. put a beat on. And one of the things I've learned from doing drum machine beats and hip hop beats and stuff like that is like, yeah, the claps and the snare have got to be kind of in right on the beat, but the bass drum is free. It's like you do that wild and just sort of like putting bass, like bass drums. And and I like that process with finger picking, and it's like so that's another style, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that will take a day. Do you know what I mean? But I've yeah. got no deadline. It's like you know, I don't know. But I like this process. It keeps yeah. me, you know, why not have a song five times, different, same lyrics, different melody, different yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, I love it, man. It's like it's just it's just like Willy Wonka, isn't it? It's just like there you go. You make you're just in your place doing what you do, and that's and the joy. Yeah. I mean, what's great to hear is the joy, because you know sometimes we all can. The industry is what it is, but what really comes through from what you're saying is the joy of creating and playing and trying things out, and you can hear it in your voice. It's and what that's... I do. it's what I love. Like the reason what gets me home every weekend, like yesterday, is knowing that I'll be in the studio. I've got a bit of I'm doing the renovation project over here as well. So, but I have to sort it. So I do one day today renovation. I've done no renovations. <laughs> I've taken the door off the bathroom. That's it. But. But I've got to get my shit sorted. I'm going to do renovations after this. But then tomorrow, tomorrow I've got a studio day. So I've got, I've been working with Chris Helm and we wrote some songs last Great. week. And we, we were here last week and he's brilliant. He's a lot of fun to work with. And we've been doing it for quite a while, but it's, it's been sort of fraught with a few things. And then um, 
then we just got together and we sort of we had these songs to finish and that's so we've got two new ones so the idea is we're going to go out live do gigs together and then Great. at the end sort of build up a set of our own nice that we man. do so so that's going to be a really nice ticket and we did a gig recently and we were just like this it's still there we've got this we can do great, this you know great, great, oh, great. even only if it's a lot of the gigs are in the north you at the moment i don't know why a lot of gig people go to gigs in the north it doesn't seem as much on down south no one goes anywhere down south anymore maybe it's a summer thing you know yeah maybe i maybe. don't know so are you I writing songs? For, I mean, you obviously write all the time, but do you have? Have you got like a solo album or, or a dodgy album coming up, or thinking about that, or are you just playing? Uh, do you know what? I, I think we're in a time where, like, we were talking about this last week, me and Chris, and uh, we, we were talking about the, the fact that you know, an album is such a big commitment these days, and it's you know, if we started writing an album now, it would probably take another couple of years before it came out. Yeah, and you know, that's a lot of work. Yeah. So what we're thinking is just doing like a, an EP or, or, or three yeah. tracks or something like that, setting up with that and just going. But we have the motivation. The most important thing is we want to do it. So we have yeah. that motivation and we can do it here. So it's just yeah. a case of finding the time now, getting together. And I'm sort of building my studio back up as, you know, like getting some decent mics. And I've got a drum kit and, you know, just separation and a few yeah. things like that. Because I haven't had a studio for years, but apart from my own little home studio. But, yeah bit different isn't it like multi-cores and stuff like that yeah, but, you yeah know, definitely, gotta be done gotta be done awesome man so let me um ask you one final question which i ask everybody and thank you very much for your time i really enjoyed this um if you could have written any song other than your own songs what song would that be i know that the answer will be different tomorrow but like here and now what what song would you wish you could have written i think um i think it's quite an easy one really for me i think um and I was thinking about the album yesterday and it is probably, it is my favourite album ever. It's got to be. It's Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. So I'd yeah, like to have written that. That is, that uh, is absolutely, it is, I heard it a few days ago. It's one of my favourite albums and it is just like liquid, isn't it? It's just. It's, I just, it's a journey. I remember playing it someone and went, I went, you've never heard James Jameson? You've never heard James, and he's the guy who's a baseball player. you never heard James Jameson? And it's like, so I played What's Going On and went, and it's just, and, and then it became the whole weekend of travel with that album yeah, because yeah, you yeah, just yeah. you get lost in it. It is, yeah. it is liquid. It's like immersive. It's like you follow the bass and you you submerge with it, and you, yeah. it's it's and yeah, it's it's amazing. And then the lyrics and the re, yeah, like I was, you know, when he when I was saying earlier that he captured a moment. He yeah. he captured a moment. And that moment is still there. <laughs> do yeah. you know what I mean? It's like yeah. a bubble. It, yeah. It's like a, a fossil with a little bubble in. It's w yeah. what's going on is going to be in there. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? absolutely. Like, and it's still, it's still like, so like you say, it's still so relevant. That's the thing. You know, my daughter and I would listen to it, and it's, it's, it's as relevant now as it was really. But I also love the fact he had to fight quite hard for that album. But you know, and sort of make yeah, it, very good. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, exactly. I know it's which is crazy, but it was so groundbreaking, and of course it was so ground because it was so close to the bone. Yeah, the bone of the reality that no one wants. That's the thing, isn't it? No one wants reality. They want, oh, you know, they, they want they want utopia. But you know, yeah, it goes back to that 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 axis between uh, dystopia and utopia. I mean, they're both fictional, but where where's reality in between that? And I think, and I'm really intrigued by it. I was reading, I, I've always been a massive George Orwell fan. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, I've always, you know, and I don't know if you knew that, I think it was Diamond Dogs was set out to be a George Orwell film, 1984. Uh, yeah, I do remember hearing that, yeah. And uh, he's, and George Orwell's then, uh, after he was deceased, his wife or the person who owned it as his estate uh, refused him permission, so he had to change it to Diamond Dogs. But I didn't know that, but I've always found that George Orwell's position on knowing about the darkness, but also, I know what, you know, I believe I know, because someone's, wrote a book about it but you know what he someone asked him before he died um if it was true if he believed it was true what, at the end of 1984 that the you know the world will be a, uh, a face trodden on with a jackboot and if the and he said he said only if we let it yeah there you go that's i had a thing the other day that what stands between light and dark is the human and we have free yeah world. i saw that and it's like that is it you know if, from music industry or like you know, I don't know anything we face, it's like and also yeah. in your own and in your in your own head, there's light and dark, isn't there? And you, it's whatever side you feed, I suppose. And but... we fight over the few differences we have, and not we don't we don't celebrate all the all the similarities we have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look for the similarities, not the differences. That's well, the, yeah. that's, that's a way to. And get... this is the, but this is the control the media have over our, the the nations, the society's psyche, isn't it? It's like. You know, you, I only got to see it, not only got to see it, I've always seen it, but but being in in Wales and where I am, you see, you do feel very far. You feel two and a half hours from civilization, really. Yeah. But it's, and I know I'm not, but it's just like you are in a way, you're two and a half hours from, you know, a town or a big city anyway, sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Just don't like it. It's cleaner air. It, you know what? That's the thing. It is, it is like that. It's cleaner. <laughs> you can, you can, uh, you can taste it and, and inhale it. It is cleaner air. That's yeah. Mate, thank you so much for your time, mate. I really appreciate this. And uh, no, it's been great, man. It's been lovely great. to talk to you. So, um, I mean, I'm about to talk to you about coming to Wales and recording the track. That'd be cool. 